0: life if you give your heart and believe what he's done for you you'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through you'll be set for life okay Nehemiah chapter 3 you know I was thinking how important it is for kids to play in a team my grandson he's he's what four or almost getting close to five, I'm kind of anxious for the days when he starts playing Little League because that's going to teach him how to work in a team. And it's important to learn how to play in a team. There's Some people just don't play well in a team. We don't play well in a team in a a sports or or at work. It gets problematic. So I never took music band in school. I do know this much about music. There's four different kinds of uh, instruments. There's woodwind. There's brass, percussion, and strings. When they're all in a symphony or you watch a kid's band play, you ever seen that one on YouTube that it's it's funny, but you don't want to laugh because they can't play and it's terrible, but they're trying? God bless them. (laughs) They don't all play the same note at the same time. You may have noticed me and Byron, we were playing together, but I wasn't always playing this exact same note that Byron did at the same time. But when you play together, it produces wonderful music. When you play together, how about a football team? Let me, me roughen it up a little bit. That's the direction I took in life. <laughs> You've got different uh, positions. You've got a linebacker. You have a tackle, quarterback, fullback, halfback, wide receiver, tight end, guard, all these different guys, and they're all doing different things. They're in different parts of the field, but when they work together in their own respective roles, they help each other to achieve a common goal. Okay, they're all in it together. You may be doing a little different than me. You may be doing less than me. You might be doing more than me. You may be playing a different note than I am. But when we're all in the same team, we're all in it together, we all achieve the same goal together. And that's what we're going to see here in Nehemiah 3. is going to be called Nehemiah 3, we're all in it together. And I say that in the body of Christ, we're all in it together. Y'all are all in different places. Y'all come in here in different things on your mind. So Nehemiah went to rebuild uh, Jerusalem, and in chapter 2, he found people that had various backgrounds, but he had to find a way to get them to be all in it together. Verse 1, then Eliashib the high priest rose up with his brethren, the priest, and built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and hung its doors. They built as far as the tower of the hundred and consecrated it, then as far as the tower of Hananel. Next to Eliashib, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zachar, the son of or Imri, built. Okay, so Nehemiah, he began to delegate work to people. Let's get to work, guys. According to their vocation or their location. When I say vocation, according to their career path. It says the priest built the sheep gate. Now, why do you think priests were interested in building a sheep gate? That had to do with their vocation. That had to do with their job. They needed sheep and other animals to be brought in that gate, the sheep gate, for temple sacrifices. Okay? So probably sheep were raised on this side of town, and that's the best place to bring the sheep in. It's like if you're raising them up on the north end, don't bring them around to the south end to pull them in. Put a gate up there where they are. So that was the sheep gate. And the priests, they had a special interest on the sheep gate. That was their job. They did the sacrifice work. They brought them in to slaughter them for the temple. So that was their personal job to oversee. That was their job according to vocation. Now this priest named Eliashib, he's the grandson of Jeshua. Y'all remember Jeshua. Those have been following me. Jeshua was the high priest back in Zerubbabel's day. Now if you recall, when the Jews came back to Jerusalem at first, they established Zerubbabel as the governor of Jerusalem. They didn't have kings anymore. They were under Persian rule now, so they didn't have kings this time. So Zerubbabel was the governor. And Jeshua is the grandson of Jehoiakin, who was one of the kings of Judah. So we don't have kings anymore, but we still got a kingly line here working. Now Ezra verse three uh, I'm sorry, Ezra chapter three, verse two, it speaks of Jeshua and Zerubbabel. They were working to restore the temple in Jerusalem after Nebuchadnezzar came and tore it down. So the point I'm trying to make here in this, what I'm trying to say, I think it's interesting you've got good family ancestry here. You've got a family line that's still at work in this whole thing. It's uh, godliness that was passed down to all these priests, and they actually wanted to be involved in the restoration of Jerusalem. Guys, when you have children and you raise your children in godly ways, let's say maybe you weren't. Let's say, well, I wasn't raised godly. At least you can be the one that starts it, raise your children godly, and look what it propagates from you. See all this line of people? They're in it to win it, right? They're working because it was passed down, passed down, and you got these guys really working. So we have Jehoiakim, former king of Judah, passed down to Jeshua, passed down to Eliashib. This is a direct link from the king of Judah, rebuilding for a future king of Judah who has yet to come. And we're still going to see that happen yet. This is God holding his messianic line in Jerusalem. You see that here. So I'm certain that the Jews who were in Jerusalem during Nehemiah's time, probably a lot of those guys that were there were the ones who had been trained up in the Mosaic law under Ezra. Remember, Ezra came back previously before. In our recent teaching series, Ezra was upset. He heard that the Jews were intermarrying with foreigners That was messed up because they were going to pick up their spouse's false god's uh, worship instead of worshiping the God of Israel. So if you remember, Ezra said, I've got to get down there and teach people the law of Moses. We've got to get back to God. So now that we see priests here in Nehemiah chapter 3, these are priests who were willing to set up the sheep gate. I think that gives us a good view of how much good Ezra's ministry was. When he came back before to restore the people back to the worship of God, I believe had it not been for Ezra coming before Nehemiah's time, I don't think there would be any priests at all that would care to build the sheep gate. This was Ezra's work that he had done a long time ago to restore the people back. Now there's priests saying, yes, let's build the sheep gate to bring the sheep in for sacrifice in the temple. That was Ezra's teaching still in the land right here. So not only do we have a passing down generation to generation, well, I don't have any kids. That's okay. Ezra taught people that weren't his kids, and they're in it to win it too. So either way, you can either teach your kids, or you can teach other people that you know. It's always going to carry down somewhere. I'm so thankful that we get to see progress here, that Ezra's kingdom work did something. It had a lasting effect on the Jews here all these years later. This is progress. Again, Ezra, remember, he, what are these people doing? They're turning from God. We see priests willing to work. you got to take your hat off to Ezra for this because look at it still going. I think it's great. Show that wall map. And I'm not sure if you have it. In I think you probably have it in your bulletins too if you can't see that. So Nehemiah's account of these repairs, if you look where it says the sheep gate, that's up there on the northeast part of the wall. And they started to work around the city counterclockwise. Counterclockwise, because it says they went to the Tower of the Hundred and then the Tower of Hananel. So they've just gotten started here. They've got a long way to go. So he's setting guys up. They're all going to work on this wall at the same time. Nehemiah 3, verse 3. Also the sons of Hesaniah built the fish gate. What do you think comes through the fish gate? Hello. Built the fish gate. They laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. And next to them, Mermoth, the son of Urijah, the son of Koz, made repairs. Next to them, Mesholem, the son of Bereshiah, the son of Meshezabel. I've done pretty good up till now. Next to them, Mesholem, the son of Bereshiah, the son of Meshezabel, oh, whoever, made repairs. Next to them, Zadok, the son of Bana, made repairs. Next to them, the I'm not even going to try it, made repairs. The Tekoites, I guess. Lord, help me. But their nobles did not put their shoulders to the work of their Lord. There we go. There's always somebody. I'm too good for this. I am a noble. Okay. So first off, okay, we already kind of had a hint to this, but why are these gates named like this? Why are they named? The fish gate, the sheep gate. You know, in the previous chapter, we read what's called the dung gate. Okay, think that one through. Each gate was named based on what their function was for. So obviously any waste that was accumulated in the city, that was taken out through the dung gate because it was closest gate to where they hauled off to the dump, I guess. The the dump was out that way. I'm sure that the sheep were raised on a particular side of Jerusalem so that the sheep gate was the closest way to bring them in. Same for the fish gate. That was on the side of town where it was easiest for the people of Tyre. They could bring in their fish through that gate, the fish gate, to sell at the markets. Today, we have a road here called NASA Road 1. Why do you think it's called NASA Road 1? Well, because it runs by NASA. Okay, so we name it according to what it it does. So roads are named based on what they do. And the gates are named by what they do also. Same principle. So typically, a a gate was named according to whatever came through it. Whatever went through it, the gate was named that. When I was in Israel, we went to the Wailing Wall, and we just walked through the Dung Gate. I know you got jokes you want to throw at me for that one right now. Okay. I said to everybody, y'all realize what we just walked through was the dung gate. <laughs> is there another gate around? <laughs> so we came through the dung gate. So I have this on my mind. Sheep is sheep, fish to fish. Okay, that's good. Dung gate, here I am, Ray Jensen, walking through. Anyway, moving on. So we see Merimoth, the son of Urijah, son of cause, made repairs. Now, he's a priest's son. And We have a lot of priests. we got their sons. They're all working together. So this ought to pass more godly work down through the families. Dad is teaching me how to build. got a priest, come on son, we're going to do this. We're going to do this work together. And so more family inheritance is coming through this. The men of Tekoya, the Tekoites, it says. Those were guys that came from the hometown of Amos, if you remember Amos. That was about 12 miles south of Jerusalem. Amos was a prophet who lived 100 years prior to this time. So Again, you can see Amos probably had a lot of good on these guys. They remembered a lot of what Amos taught. They heard, hey, Jerusalem needs our help. Let's go. Good on Ezra. Good on Amos. Good on these priests teaching their sons. And you know what? Also, good on you if you teach the people to follow the Lord as well. Same thing. But as it says, the nobles of Tekoa didn't help work. They didn't put their shoulders to the work. What is a noble? A noble is somebody who is upper class. Cheerio, we'd rather have tea than come and do this. And I don't know why a Hebrew person would be speaking with a British accent, if that was one at all. They have high class and social status. They got political power. Somebody that's way up the ladder kind of figures right. They're not helping. We're too uppity. We're too rich to help build these dirty walls and get calluses on our hands. We're just too high. So, you got two classes of people mentioned here. Those with a godly drive, even if they're priests, we're going to build a wall. Hey, our job is to do sacrifice and temple stuff. It's not really our thing. Son, come here. I'm going to teach you how to build a wall. Nobles, no, we're too high. We're not doing that. Priests building the sheep gate. Every, every, you got guys putting in and guys not. And that's our, that's our society today. You got some people that are really driven, and some people, I don't really care. I got too much of my own thing going on. People with a godly drive because they were raised with it. And those who didn't care to build because, well, I guess either they weren't raised with it or pride got in their way. Probably a little of both. Nehemiah 3 and 6. Moreover, Jehoiada, the son of Paseah, and Meshulam, the son of Besodiah, repaired the old gate. They laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. And next to them, Metalia the Gibeonite, Jadon, the Meronithite, The men of Gibeon and Mizpah repaired the residence of the governor of the region beyond the river. Next to him, Uziel, the son of Herhiah, one of the goldsmiths. Look at that. A goldsmith made repairs. Also next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers. Guys, this intrigues me. You have a goldsmith and a perfumer building a wall. Okay? They made repairs. And they fortified Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. And next to them, Raphaiah, the son of Hur, leader of half the district of Jerusalem, made repairs. Okay, you've got one leader guy way up the ladder. He's not too proud to build. Verse 10. Next to them, Judea, the son of Harum. Oh, I didn't even rehearse that one. Harumath made repairs in front of his house, in front of his house, guys. And next to him, Hattush, the son of Hashabniah, made repairs. Melchijah, the son of Harum and Hashab the son of Pehath-Moab, repaired another section as well as the tower of the ovens. And next to him was Shalem, the son of Halahesh, leader of half of the district of Jerusalem. He and his daughters made repairs. Yeah, we got women in this too. Okay, good to see that. Ladies are pitching in. But them crazy nobles, come on, jump in and push, man. That's what I want to say. I'm a noble. How dare you talk to me that way? I guess how they got away with it. Let's put that wall map back up again, or if you can look on your notes there. So we were told of all these people that worked on the walls between the Jeshaniah Gate, which is also known as the Old Gate. And you can see on the map here on the northwestern corner, and then the wall makes a turn south right where the Broad Wall is at. And why do you think it's called the Broad Wall? Look at it. Well, obviously, it's broad, <laughs> okay? Not too complicated here. It's broad. It's wider than a bunch of the other walls. Put up that other broad wall pic. I think it's a modern picture. Do you have that? They have unearthed part of the ancient broad wall. It's in what's called the Jewish quarter in the old part of Jerusalem. You can see how wide it was. In the picture, if you look, at, there's a marker on the wall on the left. That shows how high they think the broad wall actually was. Now the reason I show you these pictures, they're digging stuff up, showing that it's actually there. The reason I show you these things is I want to show you archaeological proof that the Bible is true. It is absolutely true. What it says is. Where it says was there, okay? There's a lot of people that think that Israel doesn't belong to the Jews. They think they have no claim to it, no right to it, that they didn't live there. They shouldn't be there. They need to be out That's what they believe. But I want to show you the proof that it is their place. God gave this land to the Israelites. He gave it to the Jewish people. And this is proof being dug up all the time that validates that God's word is true. And I want you to see it. I've seen that wall there myself. We were driving along. We saw a gas station or a strip mall. They had a big corner of the parking lot cut out. They busted the concrete, and they were digging. You could see an old city down there. I mean, it's crazy if you ever get a chance to go to Israel and see that. So we read in verse 11 about the Tower of the Ovens. Where do you think the Tower of the Ovens got its name? What's going on with Tower of the Ovens? I want to show you a little something from Jeremiah thirty-seven twenty-one. Says then, Zedekiah the king commanded that they should commit Jeremiah to the court of the prison, and that they should give him daily a piece of bread from the baker's street until all the bread in the city was gone. Okay, so they had a Baker Street. Welcome to Baker Street. What do you think goes on on Baker Street? NASA Road One runs by NASA. What's Baker Street? The bakery. Okay, <laughs> I'm led to believe the Tower of the Ovens is probably where the bakeries were at. That's the place you want to be. Uh, You ever seen the bread they put out in Israel? Anna saw pictures of me visiting Israel. They had a cart with beautiful bread. It's wonderful looking bread. It almost looks too good to eat it. She goes, I want to try some of that bread when we go there. So here we are, Baker Street. I'll bet the bakery side of town smelled a whole lot better than the Dungate side. I'm just saying. So I'd like to be on the bakery side. But from what's written, I would assume that bread bakeries had their chimneys built up along the wall. They used a tower. Well, the tower's not just going to stand, so let's use a wall. Let's build it like a chimney up the wall to hold it up so they could air out the smoke from their ovens. So we read they were laying beams and hanging up big doors. Now, what are these beams made of? These beams are made of timber. Now, I want you to remember, Nehemiah had already asked for this timber. Back in Nehemiah 2 verse 8, he says, I need a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple, for the city wall, and for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. So Nehemiah already had this planned out. You don't just walk up and just, oh, I need beams. It's not like Home Depot or click on Amazon and they show up. He had to plan this out. He had to plan this out before he got there. So he had drafted up this huge project plan long before he ever came to Jerusalem, and it was God that told him how to line this all out. We see materials going up, people building things are are kicking. Any of you in construction, you know you've got to go get your gear before you can build. I've heard Hank on the radio going to the other side of Houston to pick up stuff he needed to do his work you got to have your logistics planned out or you're going to show up. Okay, let's build the wall. And people would say, with what? (laughs) We don't have anything. How do we do these gates? Friends, what I'm trying to say is that if you don't know how you're going to get through your next day or that next big thing, ask the Lord God. He'll put it on your heart. He'll say, okay, here's what you need. You need this and this and this. You better write it down while he's telling you. Okay, I have to do that. Write it down. He'll line out your life. Let the Lord God line out your life for what's ahead. You don't know what's coming. Nehemiah had not even seen these walls yet. He's already got materials. How did he know what to get? The Lord God told him what to get. I think that's just amazing. All these materials were there to get the job done. So far now, we've seen Ezra's past ministry. It worked already that they had priests ready, all, all there, turned to the Lord by now, ready to build the sheep gate. Nehemiah's pre-planning had materials coming in. Things are running like clockwork because they said first, before they did anything, Lord, what do I have to have to do this? Friends, if you just dart out the door and say, well, I've got this big thing I've got to deal with, and you don't ask the Lord first, how do I contend with this? You're going to be in trouble. Probably going to make things worse. Ask God first. Consult with the Lord God first. He may give you a, a grocery list or a, a materials list or tell you what to do. It's always better to ask God first. He'll put it on your heart. Also, in this fascinating story, uh, we have a perfumer working on, and that's the last guy I would expect to be working on a wall. What do you do? I'm a perfumer. And you've got a chisel and a hammer and you're hauling a wheelbarrow and all that. Oh, yeah, okay, that works. He's not too big. Hey, it's what I do. I mean I, we look at people and we gauge people on what they do. Oh, you're one of those. Oh, I well, look what I am. You know, we he's a perfumer, he's working on the wall. We're all in it together, right? We've got a perfumer, we have a goldsmith. I'm sure he his line of work is very different from this. You know, these guys they could have said, you know, building walls ain't my thing. It's just not my thing. I I'm different. I'm a truck driver. Going to church ain't my thing. I'm a construction guy going to church, ain't my thing. Hey, it's everybody's thing. It should be. You know what? You know, there's a day coming. We're going to be in eternity. It better be your thing or you're in big, hot trouble. It's going to be your thing. You better make it your thing now. They could have said it's not my thing. I work with perfumes. I'm going to set this one out and let y'all do it. It's not my thing. I've heard a lot of people say it's not my thing. Make it your thing. God ought to be your thing. Guys, this was all about Israel's defense from their enemies. All of us have enemies. You have people who are against you. You want defense? You need to build. You need to get behind that defense. And the best defense you're ever going to have in this earth, and I'm not kidding, because I've learned it, ask me my testimony, is first, you got to have Jesus Christ. And second, if you got Jesus, you need to do what he says. You need to get in the body of Christ. That is defense, big time. I'm not just trying to sell a church. You can go to any church you want to, but be in one. Be in the body of Christ. That is a defense. Survival is everybody's thing. You may be very different from me. I may be the perfumer to your goldsmith, and I don't know. But you need to survive, and that's what this is. So shame on them nobles. Yay for the daughters jumping in. then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life. You'll have all you need. Just receive with a willing heart. You'll be set